0: On to the science fiction. Story number one. Storage Hole 37P. Written by T. Marcos. The great empire of Mui commissioned 51 trading stations in the second half of the Grand Mui year, 4439. Of these stations, five were Grand Bazaar class mega depots, 13 were Golden Promise class logistics hubs and the remaining 33 were Trading Station Mark III class outposts. In the 27 of these stations deployed during that sequence, there were 23 Imperial Trade Service public servants assigned along with 136 contracted employees. The contracted employees, hired as they were from a variety of backgrounds and sentient resource agencies, were of several different species, experience levels, and outlooks of life. On the first day of official habitability certification, the inspector sent a clipped all-clear to the waiting convoy of shuttles, fresh with Moima. The first to depart was the civil servants, led by a rather rotund specimen of a Muish who looked torn between happiness as his new posting and a budding lurking horror that he may actually be at the peak of his civil service career. Following a cadre of administrators was a deluge of contract workers, from lumbering great seops to fitting gossamer winged tisliks. Some paused as they entered the foyer to sniff at the faint hint of off-gassing fresh seedants and gasketing, others to take in the muted impressiveness of the foyer itself. Last off the shuttle, wearing a flash-creased coveralls and imperial blue and white, was Benjamin Anthony Givens. Ben, as his friends would call him, if they passed beyond the realm of theoretical, was the sole sanitation and reclamation tech at J.G. on the station. These day-to-day responsibilities included direction of the maintenance robots, diagnostic and repair of the biological waste processor, and other related tasks. Not then most glamorous posting, he had thought when reading it over, but the pay was decent and it came with a free room and board, plus Mui postings who had notoriously excellent health care services. Strolling down the fresh hallways, his soft-soled boots squeaked softly on the bare metal decking. He trailed a hand along the walls and felt the discontinuities between the panels, the soft corrugation of the speaker grills and the ventilation ports. He didn't own it, but as he figured that the responsibility for its function meant that at least a portion of it was his. The non-monetary, intangible portion, as it were. He smiled and cracked his back, stretching and looking up and down the corridor. Yes, sir. He had said to himself, This could work out just fine. In the second business quarter of the grand mouille year forty four forty, the decadal Jubilee brought modestly increased station profits across the board. The increase, coupled with a relatively clean record of visitors, customer complaints, and misrouted cargo, triggered an automated performance enhancement subroutine in the sector manager's computer system. It dispatched a message to the station administrator, which noted how pleased the sector manager was at a fine job that they were all doing, and congratulated the administrator on the 5,000 imperial credit bonus attached, with a personal thank you for a job well done. The administrator, for his part, received a message in his own computer system. A subroutine therein passed the message, delivered a brief notice, the administrator's status queue, and gave an automatic disbursement of five imperial credits to each staff's pay packets with congratulatory notes. Ben was walking back from a lunch break. Carbohydrate substrate with an acutely sourced protein, thick tuna salad, more or less when he noticed the burble of his communicator and saw the good news. He was already quite well situated financially. His salary was modest, but it was matched against his positively ascetic expenses. He decided to use the extra windfall to buy himself something nice. The selection of goods on the station was such that it was mandated to fulfill the committee-established guidelines on baseline consumers and light industrial materials availability. This meant that it was, by definition, somewhat mediocre. There was not much that Ben saw within the self-defined budget that would present a significant improvement to his happiness, environment, or health. Then, passing by a display of an interior personal decorative supplies, he spotted a small pot of telexian ivy, an unassuming green plant like many others on offer. It, nevertheless, displayed a pleasing symmetry of leaves and tendrils, and was promising to be a long-lived, dependable evergreen fixture to your modest bright office or home environment. Pleased, Ben, tapped his comp to the payment plate on the stall and grabbed the IV. Ben was authorized to keep a stock of discretionary work-related supplies in the storage hold 37p a below decks hold which was dedicated to maintenance and system storage per the official station blueprints it was entirely too large for what he generally needed to stock so he had cleared out an additional area to the right-hand side of the hold as a workstation Upon this workstation, against the wall, he sat the ivy. The light was good enough here, he reasoned, and he didn't use the upper part of the desk for anything. The leaves spread cheerfully under the light, and Ben poured some water out of the neglected drinking cup into the growth medium. He regarded it for a moment, smiled, and then went to start his weekly check of the water reclamation systems. In 4452, the station-changed administrators, the old administrator, driven to the uncharacteristic work ethic by a prospect of a second 10-year anniversary aboard his station, had finally succeeded in transfer to a post closer to Mwumwa. His replacement was shuttled in, bearing a familiar look of expectant pride and horror upon seeing the spare bulkheads of his new charge. He walked the station tour and dutifully met all of the departmental heads and their staff, making culturally appropriate greetings, gestures, and ensuring them that their department was critical to the successful function of the station and the glory of the great Mui. Near the end of his rounds, his route led him to meet with Benjamin Gibbons, Sanitation and Reclamation Tech 1, in his duty stationed within Storage Hall 37B he met technician gibbons and issued an appropriate greeting ensuring him that his duties were crucial to the proper operation of the station ben thanked him as his thoughtfulness and remarked at the appreciativeness of the detour given by the administrator's assuredly busy schedule the administrator, despite being in complete agreement with the sentiment, disagreed at length and issued a notionally redeemable invitation to drop by his office and discuss any matters that were troubling him. Ben thanked the administrator again, and with that, he was on his way. He left the storage hall. He's caught a parting glimpse of something he didn't notice during the conversation at the Tilexian Ivy. If he wasn't mistaken, trimmed and shaped to a perfect symmetry and spreading across the right wall of the hold. He made a note to have him take it down, as it was a non-regulation and could potentially damage the bulkhead. However, naturally forgetful as he was, that was the last time he spoke to Benjamin Gibbons or visited storage hold 37B in his 15-year tenure as administrator. During the third business quarter of 4479, the 51 stations built together 40 years prior were all up for their first long-term review and systems check. The majority of the review was a survey and detailed analysis of the largest stations, but procedure was followed for the smaller outposts as well. A robotic courier was dispatched to each of the Trading Post Mark III stations in the list and returned with detailed maintenance logs as well as holographic displays of each room, corridor, and exterior hull plate of the station. All the images were fed through the comparison algorithm to find what people from Ben's neck of the woods might call a Bayesian deviations from the standard wear and tear of the station. Exceptions were found and routed through Central Maintenance Processor for review. For a majority of the images, she recommended an appropriate degree of commendation, rebuke and or extra maintenance and went to the next one in the queue. One image, however, left her at a loss for immediate response. She stared at it for a few seconds, not able to pass the content at first, and then spread her coronal feathers. You may imagine her widening her eyes in astonishment, still at a loss at what to actually do about this bizarre deviation. She hesitated for a few moments more before pressing a striped green button on her console that escalated the current ticket to her direct supervisor. Sorian was a travel writer with the Trapiri Sector Hollow journal and was en route to the last stop on his tour of five planets, stations, and moons in the Sector. The previous four points of interest had been, in order, a collection of sculptures made out of frozen helium, an assortment of miniature figurines purporting to represent every member of the Wui royal family back to the founding of the dynasty. A perfectly spherical lump of nickel, the size of a shuttlecraft, and the galaxy's largest chair—not accurate. His information on the fifth stop was minimal, save for that it was of particular biological and mathematical interest. Deparking on the unremarkable outpost, Sorian felt one could nevertheless remark at the crowds of visitors to the foyer. It appeared, though, that every terminus was full. Indeed, there had been a wait to dock, and the foyer was choked with a mass of people that all seemed to be funneling towards a doorway cut into what was supposed to be a bulkhead between Section 3 and 4 of the station. With sinking feeling, he realized that that was where he was meant to go. Remembering that he had called ahead— he decided to try coming to the station administrator to see if he could jump the line a bit. Neither a short nor a long while later, a jovial Mowish strolled up and clapped him on the hind shoulder before telling him to please come this way, if he wouldn't mind. He didn't. A service lift and a short access tunnel later, and the two of them stood in front of Storage Hole 37C, where a small placard on the door read, Benjamin Givens, and then Sanitation and Reclamation Tech 2. Bemused, Sorian gave the administrator an inquisitive look. The administrator laughed and then knocked smartly on the door. Some muffled noises issued from within. The door whispered open to reveal the somewhat stooped, leathery human in an immaculate blue and white coverall. He stepped out of the hold, which appeared to be actually a but tidy office of sorts, and greeted Sorian warmly. His voice was sonorous, if pitched up somewhat in his age. After some basic pleasantries, he motioned to Sorian that he should follow him to the next hold. As he slowly shuffled down the corridor, the gathered line of people took notice and stepped respectively aside to permit him passage. Sorin was composing images in his mind of what awaited him through the door, but as it slid silently open and he stepped through the threshold, his mind dropped to what he was holding, burdened tendrils encircling the entire hold, spiraling across every surface and doubling back amongst themselves to create an intricate, looping designs. Serrated leaves flared out from the vine, spanning and holding in intricate patterns, As he traced the complex striations and spirals, he was struck by the realization that every vine, leaf, bud, and tendril was precisely symmetrical. He turned slowly, his eyes splitting back and forth across the line of symmetry before being drawn upwards to the very vernacle of the room where a colossal crawled and scarlet flower sat, petals unfurled and spanned larger than he was. Layers and layers of rich and canadine and would, ben would have dreamed a nice butty yellow, overlap and twisted amongst themselves as they exuded a faint perfume that suffused the room completely. Saurian lost track of time but knew it had only been moments since he stepped into the room, tears straining the corners of his eyes. He stepped back, out, and permitted the next guest to enter. Ben was there, smiling broadly. Well... He said knowingly, ''How do you like my ivy?'' Saurian shook his head. ''It's... beautiful.'' He managed, still a bit choked up from the experience. ''It's like standing inside a fractal, or in a space between mirrors.'' Ben nodded. ''She's like scrolling in a fractal,'' he said, ''although I do have to trim her here and there to keep her in order.'' Remembering his reason for the visit, Saurian took his pad out and started taking notes. I have to ask, though, what made you start growing the ivy? Ben sucked in his breath between his teeth, thinking properly about his response, just as he did every time he was asked this question. Well, he said eventually, I decided that I was going to get myself something nice to spruce up the place. A pause. not sure if he was going to be subtly mocked, the journalist tried a different tact. I don't mean any offense, but why did you decide to grow this plant here? What was so special about this room? Ben laughed, wheezing softly and shaking his head. People always ask me that question. I grew it here because that's where I was, of course. Sorian, now quite sure that he was being had, opened his mouth to object, but stopped when Ben chuckled again and kept walking. People always seem to think that you should put something beautiful in a beautiful place. He said But that's not where you need it You asked me what was special about this room Sorian nodded Nothing at all Ben said with a smile Not at first And that my friends concludes this dose of science fiction fun I hope that you enjoyed And if you did please don't forget to support the author from the link down below